Father, we lift up the name of Jesus this morning. We do appreciate everything you are doing for us at this time. When things are so difficult for the world, we rejoice in the knowledge that you are our Lord and God, the one who is supreme over everything in the world. And we thank you that as we give our trust to you, you will honor it. And you will bless and you will cause us to grow and be strong in a time such as this. So we thank you for the word that will have its way this morning to fall upon good soil and cause your people to come to the fullness of the understanding of what it is that you have written for us. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. A new season is upon us and none of us are in control of it. Not the ones in the secular and not the ones in the Christendom. As much as people would have prophesied about what the coming season was going, was going to be like, they could not have imagined the extent to which it has spread and caused the fear around the world that has caused people to panic and do crazy things. And so, it's not church as usual, it's not uh, life as usual anymore. And even when all this is over, it will not be life as usual. And until and unless we understand that and get into the Word of God about what it is that God does in situations like this, we will not understand the ways of the Lord. And the ways of the Lord are oftentimes so precariously dangerous for us human beings that you know we lose sight of God easily and we tend to go to our own devices and our own thinking to save ourselves which is the most foolish thing that you and I can do. So the word of God has been written very specifically with these kind of situations in mind and God himself causes a lot of situations to arise that will cause us to cry out to him and depend upon him through his word. So this morning I want to talk to you about the word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 1 to 3. It's a familiar passage that I've spoken on before. But I want to bring you another angle of it today. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 to 3. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee, these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in your heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, that man live. This is a proof text, verse 3. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When I said that God himself acts to push us into situations that are quite precarious and dangerous, we pick it up 
in Deuteronomy chapter 8 when he brought Israel out of Egypt after 400 years of bondage and the first thing he did was he pushed them into the wilderness now what Christians don't understand about wilderness is that it's actually a place that's getting you closer to the designed promised land for you and me so if we are facing a wilderness now in the world it is designed to bring us closer to the promised land to the to not only to the return of Jesus but to actually find our heavenly abode amen that our end will become so real to the world that they will say we missed out when we went into the wilderness we turned away from God and they missed out but when we are in the wilderness we turn to God not away from Amen so you and I need to understand that as long as we are sitting in our lounge chair God cannot reach us he has to get us out of the lounge chair and into the wilderness for us to understand that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God because when you are in the lounge chair you don't care too much about what the word is saying you might even gather your own information about the word and what the word is saying and you don't understand because you haven't practically tested that word to see if that word is going to be true so how can you practically test a word such as this unless you are in the wilderness starving and without food for it to become manna to you? Hallelujah! Are you with me this morning? We're going one, one level higher this morning. So God creates a situation that will get you out of your comfort zone and into the wilderness to bring you home. Amen? To bring you home. That's his plan. God has a plan. And in the wilderness, he sorts out who is for him and who is against him. Who will stand with him in righteousness and who will walk away from him in unrighteousness. And that sorting out takes place in the wilderness. So if you went through a tough time in your life, you know, and you got into lots of trouble and all sorts of issues happened to you, you know, that was to, in some way, get you to a place of desperation where you would begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Maybe you didn't even know the Lord. Hindus, Muslims don't even know the Lord. But when they get to a place of desperation, they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. They say, if there is a God up there, <laughs> then the real God answers. Amen? Because the others don't have ears, and they don't have eyes, and they don't have mouths, they cannot speak, they are stone tree, whatever they are made of. They are stupid idols. Amen? So when you call upon the name of the Lord, He answers. But then there are people who are in the Christian church and I'm mostly concerned about the body of Christ worldwide because that's my ministry, I've been called to the body of Christ. Is that why did God push me into a wilderness? Why did He allow my husband to separate from me? Why did He allow my child to die? Why did this happen and why did that happen? And all these questions come up and say, Now God, you are to blame for the wilderness that I find myself in. Now maybe it is not a making of God, but it is a making of oneself. And God will be trying to reach us 
and tell us, look, you're making a wilderness for yourself that is not of me, because when I make a wilderness for you, I also protect you. I keep you from the scorpions and the snakes, and from the heat of the day, and the cold of the night, and I provide food for you to sustain you. And this is where we need to understand the difference between our relationship with God and what it is that we have in our own mind and understanding about how to conduct life. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. And we say, why does God create wildernesses? And, and you know, what's the point of it? And, and how is it all going to end up? And why should it be there? And all these questions arise in our hearts. And here's the answer, Matthew chapter 4. First question to answer is, does God create a wilderness? Of course He does. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterward of hunger. God created hunger in this man. There was a wilderness. There was no food. And finally, a testing of temptation by the devil. All created by God. The devil was not the, uh, the, the forerunner in all of this. The Lord created this. <coughs> he took this man called Jesus into the wilderness. And he said, I'm going to prove you if you are really my son or not. Are you really God's son and daughter or not? You're being proven. Oftentimes you're proven in the difficulties that you go through, whether you blaspheme the name of God or whether you call upon the name of God or whether you understand why you are in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 and 3, he says to prove you. He wants to prove you. Why does he have to prove you? Doesn't he know you already? Haven't you already given your life to the Lord? Because when you are walking on the journey of life, whether it be the Christian life or the natural life, there are enemies and there are attacks and there are all sorts of circumstances and situations that come in that cause you to turn your heart away from God. Even though you started well, like the foolish Galatians, they started in the spirit and ended up in the flesh. So these things happen and you have to accept it that you are a fragile human being and that you need the living God even though you have given yourself to Him, you need Him on a daily basis. This is that daily manner. Moment by moment, you cannot escape it. Don't try to escape it because it will push you further into the wilderness. The wilderness for Jesus was a barrenness beyond measure because it was a starvation of the world and its pleasures to live by force depending on the word of God. Jesus knew to some degree what was going on with him because he was fulfilling a typology of what Israel went through for 40 years in the wilderness. Something to do with the number 40. Something to do with, with the Moses being 40 years in the wilderness. Then 40 years in, in, you know, in glory first in Egypt. Then 40 years in the wilderness. And then 80 he gets called out and he lives to 120 because he now goes into the wilderness with the people. Now he did not commit any sin. He was not doing anything wrong. God called him. Go and 
deliver my people and then I'm going to take a whole lot of you and I'm going to put you in the wilderness so you're going to suffer as much as the people. You're going to have to depend as much on me as the people and you can cry out to God and you can say you are so righteous. Why am I suffering what that man is going through in his sin? Because you're the one who can carry it. Because you're the one who can correct that person. Oh, but I'm not. If I talk to that brother, he might slap me in the face. Well, that's part of the deal, right? That's part of the deal. And we don't want it. Because we don't want to be slapped in the face. We don't want to get offended. So what does God mean that you have to live by His word? Let's go to John chapter 6. Today's communion message gave me another confirmation that I was looking for from the Lord. John chapter 6 verse 51 I am the living bread which came down from heaven if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Word made flesh. Now you are eating the word. What is the word? What is what, what God said? That is the word. The word that is Rima. The word that is going to bring you life. Not the Logos only, but the Logos turning into Rima. So that it becomes a living word. Right? The scripture inside of this page will, will sit there and be useless to anybody till the Holy Spirit illuminates it and makes it a living word. Then you can live by it. And people say, well, what are you crazy to give up your job and go and follow Jesus Christ out there with no salary, no income, no support? He said, yeah man, but I got the word. He said, what word? I got the living word. So what is the living word? Well, you won't understand it. I do. That's why I'm going out there. But you used to have so much of money. Now you have nothing. No, I have everything now. Before I had nothing. So what do you mean? Well, I couldn't sleep before when I had everything. I was, I was scared about losing my job before when I had everything and I was worried about what's going to be the outcome of my future before I had the Word of God. Now I have the Word of God, I got the peace, I got the joy, I got the assurance, I got the future, I got the blessings and I got everything I need. So now I call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord, I need a hundred bucks. Do you think you can give me a hundred bucks? And God says, sure son, take a thousand bucks. You say, what, does it drop out of the sky? Yes, absolutely it drops out of the sky. So what's the proof? The proof is the Old Testament. Where the Jews walked for 40 years in the, in the wilderness and it fell out of the sky. Well, do you believe the word or you don't? Ah, I know the Bible was. I'm more intelligent than that. You know, the world has come along a lot now. God doesn't do those sort of things. Yeah, what about when somebody just came and gave you some money when you didn't expect it? Yeah. When you were crying out to the Lord and said, I got this car bill to pay and I don't have the money. And somebody comes up and gives you the money to the set. Come on, give him a glory. You know, tell him that he's glorious. 
In John 6.53, he also speaks of eating his word when he says, Then Jesus said, I do very, very say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Eating his word is what we did just now in communion. You will have no life in you until you do it, until you honestly do it the genuine way it was meant to be done. That is, if you truly repented of your sin. But if you sit there and you say, I have had no sin and I have no sin, then you're a liar. You live in habitual sin and you say, I'm a sinner. How convincing are you to yourself? That is self-denial. That is deception. Self-deception. That the table of God is designed for us to come to a place of conscience. Before God. I committed adultery, you know, and I, and, and, and I didn't tell my wife I feel really bad. Why do you feel really bad when you, when you committed adultery and you didn't tell your wife? Why do you feel bad? You enjoyed it when you were doing it. And now suddenly you're feeling bad. Because your conscience is convicted. How come it doesn't get convicted at the communion table? Because now your conscience is seared. You've covered it. Before God. No, I'm righteous. I'm made righteous in the righteousness of Christ. So there's nothing wrong with me. That is hogwash. So the true nature <coughs> is fasting of any kind before you can begin to understand what is the word. Everything that God has designed is for the connection to the living word. If you have that, then you have love. Rima is the key. Without that living word, when you sit in front of God and you pray, you pray, you pray, you fast and you pray while you got dinner and you got tired and you didn't get the living word. You must be able to walk away from that situation fully assured that God spoke to you. Because that's your word. That's the one that's going to keep you alive through the situations and circumstances you face in life. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is a pivotal chapter in understanding the ways of the Lord. Believe me, it is set. Jesus used these words in the New Testament against the devil. Right? He said, oh, we'll catch up with that later. So God is speaking to us about the supernatural provision of God through the understanding of His Word. We must stop living in the world system. So what are you, saying, no, what are you trying to say to me? I stop going to work? No, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. He said, no, but do I stop eating natural food? No, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is your mindset and the priorities of your mindset is not in God when you are in the world system. He didn't say a man does not live by bread. He said only. That means he has given us natural food to live as well. 
but he's talking about what you make priority in your relationship with God and in your understanding of the power of God working through his word in your natural situation so God is talking to us about supernatural provision of God through the understanding of his word so the moment you understand his word you can live by it right you can you can begin to eat of it you can begin to get the juices and the nourishment and the strength of it and the joy of it and the abundance of it and you can get into the realm of the spirit and you can receive what god is giving you and bring it into the natural and apply it and bang suddenly the natural is subject to everything that god has told you that is the power of the word can't, you can't go into spiritual warfare. Listen to me carefully. Some of you are going into spiritual warfare without even thinking. You cannot go into spiritual warfare without God giving you the okay. Don't even attempt it. It's not open to you. But when you have the word, you have the sword, you have the full armor of God, and you walk in there, you can change circumstances and situations that affect you and other people. So let's briefly look at some things about what words are we to depend upon for the fine, for the for the blessings of sustenance and abundance in life. The first kind of words that God speaks out of his mouth okay is found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 let's have a look it's called the words of creation Genesis 1 verse 3 the words of creation when did God begin to speak when he created those were the first words that came out of his mouth as far as we are concerned and it is one three and said God said let there be light and there was light these are the words of creation so if some fellow comes along and tells you it's all about evolution who are you going to believe? Mm -hmm. now you see the difference if you live by the words of evolution you're going to be an evolutionist but if you live by the words of creation you're going to be a creationist of God so who made the world? God did. Yes. Devil comes along and said, Did God say that you shouldn't eat? <laughs> God said, but I'm going to eat anyway. Silly. Absolutely silly. I can't even imagine it. My mind boggles at the idea that an entire universe is destroyed by one disobedient act. But today we are doing thousands and thousands of disobedient acts, and God is gracious to forgive us. A whole universe went into turmoil because of one human being's mistake of not listening to the word that was spoken to them. God did say, God did speak to you, but you denied that word and you went ahead and did whatever you wanted to do anyway because you had your own put of points about yourself. You didn't listen. 
So you put everybody in jeopardy. He says if you harbor ill will in your heart, bitterness in your heart, you not only defile yourself, you defile everybody around you. So the moment you do not believe the word of God, you defile everybody around you. Because you're talking out of your own hat. And God says, no, you do not live by those words. Don't listen to all the other fellows. I am the creator. I made heaven and earth. Begin to believe that. Begin to eat on that word. Begin to make it reality in you. If you don't eat that word, it doesn't sustain you. It doesn't hold you good. Because, you know, if you don't believe in the words of creation, there is no heaven for you. It's a figment of your imagination or of some preacher telling you that there is a heaven or what you read in the Bible if you do not believe that God created the heavens and the earth so that there is no heaven for you if you don't believe that. The next set of words that God spoke is in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had been by, by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Please look at carefully at that verse. It says, upholding all things by the word of his power. What does that mean? It means that God said, hey, water, you stop there. Land, you begin here. Sun, you stay where you are and you will shine as long as I tell you to shine. Stars, you will go on creating till I tell you to stop creating. Comets, you will not smash the earth till I tell you to smash it. So nothing is going to happen until the word of God is removed from the sustaining power of the world. The world is sustained, the universe is sustained by what God spoke and what God said. Now we have to believe in that and we have to eat it. We have to accept what God said about the universe. So if we do, we do eat that, we get the ream of it, then we, like Him, can command creation. We can command things to happen. Because now the words are being eaten, and they are in our system, and we are, made, we are righteous before the Lord, and now God says, open your mouth and speak, Jeremiah. Open your mouth. Oh, I thought I'm just a I'm just a stammering kid. I don't know, but says I have put my words in your mouth. Speak to the storm. I tell it to stop. Speak to the stars. I tell it not to fall on the earth. Speak to your environment. Tell it to grow and be prosperous. Remove the wilderness. This is physical. I'm talking about the physical world. 
Okay, not the spiritual, talking about the physical. But you're dealing with the physical world using spiritual food. The words of God spoken about creation and how it is being sustained. Then you have the written words. Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. Exodus 31 verse 18 And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communion with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony tables of stone written <laughs> excuse me written by how? by ink and pen no by uh, computer Lenovo computer or IBM computer or some other way or no, written by the finger of God. The, the hand of God, the supernatural finger of God is writing on tables of stone on earth. The supernatural, the spiritual interacting with the natural and writing upon it. So he said from now on, your stone, your heart of stone will be removed. Hello, your heart of stone will be removed and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh and I'm going to write my laws and my commandments on that heart Amen. with the finger of God. Amen. You are learning all oh, Genesis to Revelation. You are spending hours in fasting and praying and trying to understand this word and you're saying it's not coming to me, it's not coming to me. God give it to me and he says no. You're eating the wrong word. And you're eating it the wrong way. Has your mother ever told you at the dining table that you're not eating your dinner the proper way? I'm sure she has. Because you're not using the right tools. You say, Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. And cleanse me from this evil. And give me a pure heart. Why? So that it becomes a tablet, a tablet, the flesh that he can write upon. Let him write. You don't try to write upon your own heart. Don't listen to what your mind is telling. Sit in his presence say, Lord, here I am, write upon my heart. And he begins to write. And he uses the written word which he has already spoken and it is written down. Somebody wrote down what God said. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. Jesus in the wilderness. The devil is tempting him. And see how he replies. And he answered and said, It is written. Oh, hang on a second. He said, It is written. What, did he expect the devil to know the Bible? The Old Testament? <coughs> Obviously. Because he was the tempter of Israel. He was the one who was tempting them in the wilderness, telling them, turn away from God. He's only brought you out of Egypt to destroy you in the wilderness. If there is no promised land. It's a lie. 
Satan knew the word. He knows the word. To some degree he does. That's why he listens to you when you tell him, go in the name of Jesus, because he knows the word that is Jesus. He knows the authority that God has given you and me in the word to tell them to get lost and he has to go. Only thing he's trying to do is convince you that you are a fool and an idiot and you don't have enough power to chase him out. But all the power is here and Jesus is saying to the devil, it is written. Are you reading your Bible? Oh no, I'm too busy. I said I got to get up in the morning and feed the dogs and go to church and I mean go to work and take my kids here and there, you know, I have no time and by the time I come back I'm so tired, you know, I, I've got to eat my dinner and go to sleep because I've got to get up early in the morning again. Well, you keep going like that, right? And you have no sustenance of heaven in your heart. So then when disaster hits, you know, you find cancer upon you or something else is happening, your wife has left you, your dog has bitten you or something else goes on, you know, and you say, God, God. He says, what are you shouting God now? No. You should have been living by the word. Words spoken before is the fourth word. Words spoken before by prophets and now through the Holy Spirit. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2. To Peter chapter 3 verse 2. Let's read it from verse 1. This second episode, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Words that were spoken by the prophets were the manna. Prophetic words given at a time thousands and thousands of years before about the coming of the Messiah and about the things that were going to happen to the world. And he's Peter is putting them in remembrance. And see, be mindful of the words that were spoken. You cannot discount the Old Testament. And you cannot discount the New Testament prophets. Somebody said to me, I sent him the, the, the video on the asteroid hitting the earth by a prophet who said he saw the vision, and some of you have seen it. And, and he said, why should I believe him? I'm fed up of these prophets, you know, saying this and that. I said, because he's credible. And his credibility has been checked both by the natural sources and by the supernatural sources and it has been found good so therefore he is to be believed and it is written in the bible as well so there is a marrying of what the prophet says to what is written in the bible i said listen man you cannot separate the prophetic from the prophet or the prophet from the prophetic 
God will not do anything until he first speaks to his prophets about it. So prophets were can be extremely serious and, and detrimental to your health and your destiny and, and don't get caught in a prophet's curse. Because if a prophet curses you, it will come to pass. You know, you've got to understand who you're dealing with, with men of God. Don't just talk any which way with any man of God. Be careful. When those kids came out and they, 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 they abused Elisha, he cursed them and the bear came out and ate the kids. It's a serious stuff. When the prophets are speaking, by the Spirit of God, you should be able to discern who is of God and who is not of God. That is why you need to speak to the Lord about getting the gift of discernment and understanding in the last days because there will be many prophets who come who will not be of God, but there will be many who come who are of God. You cannot whitewash the whole lot. Oh, this is too difficult. I don't want to handle it. No, no, no. The Bible says, be mindful of the words spoken by the now let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, so here's a confirmation. Now he says in verse 2, And in these last days, Spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the words. You know what Moses said? He said, There's coming a prophet that if you will not listen to him, you will be destroyed. You will be destroyed. You know who that prophet is? Anyone know who that prophet is? Come on. Jesus. Right? He's talking about Jesus. Now how did Jesus speak to us? Because if we're going to listen to the words of Jesus, He's not standing here. No. How do you listen to Jesus? Pardon? What did Jesus say to the seven churches in the book of Revelation? If you have an ear, hear what who says? What the Holy Spirit says. He said, I'm sending you another comforter who will come and he will not talk about himself. He will talk about me and what I have said. So we are not listening to the Holy Spirit. That is why we are in trouble. If you want to know what, the church is not repenting enough, the church is not fasting enough, the church is not doing enough evangelism. No, my friends, first and foremost, we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Maybe all those other things are true. Because after listening to the Holy Spirit, we're not doing what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Somebody rang us up a few days ago and said, look, I want to sincerely advise you to shut your church. Because of the coronavirus and how dangerous it is and you know the older people can die and blah 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 and blah 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 and blah blah blah. Now this person is extremely close to us. 
And for the first time in my life, I was able to give them the gospel with power. And I said, we don't care about all these things. I said, if we die, we will be with Jesus. So we're not going to shut any church down until the government tells me to shut it down. So right now it's 100 people and above. We are less than 35 today. Come on folks. They couldn't believe it. They said, they said, you could hear the silence on the phone. Yeah, yeah, look, I'm telling you who I am, okay? You didn't know me all this while. This is who I am. And I told Anuja, I said, we don't bring them and tell them how to conduct their lives, do we? So why are they bringing us and telling us what to do with the church? It's not even their jurisdiction. See how the devil works? Somebody will tell you something that is not of God. Why? Because we're eating the word. We are listening to what the Holy Spirit tells us. And we are doing, that is why we are here in leadership. Because we spend time with God and we are hearing what God says. Maybe He doesn't speak to everybody else. But that's why the pastor is there because he's the visionary. He's the one God speaks to. He's the one God spoke to in the wilderness, Moses. And he didn't speak to all the millions of Jews out there in the wilderness. He spoke to Moses face to face. Even his, his sister, Moses' sister and brother came and said, Oh, we two are prophets. Who do you think you are? And then the Lord came up and he said, You are nothing but a leprous woman. Get out. I speak to Moses face to face. I don't speak to you face to face. What a slap in the face. No, my friends. God has an order. God has a way. Don't just speak to a man of God any which way you want. Be careful. Okay? It's because you think you think you have the bees knees. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. So today we know that God is speaking through His Spirit. Verse 7, Revelation 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So there are many ways that God speaks. Words of creation, words that sustain creation. Written words, words spoken by prophets before and now. And words spoken through the Holy Spirit. We are living on all such words because they all bring Spirit and if you want spirit and life, eat the word. That's why God is saying, man shall not live by bread alone. See, Jesus refers to himself as bread of life. Not the bread of life as in the natural bread, but the life of God. He's, he's, he's giving us a, a, a viewpoint, or let us say an example, or a typology, for the sake of understanding, right? That bread is a sustenance giver, a life giver. So when you eat bread, it is food. So he's saying, listen, this is food. Bread and life pertains to that which comes from heaven in the form of Christ. Now listen to this carefully. To all creation. Past, present and future. That means the angels 
all who came in the Old Testament, all who died in the New Testament in Christ, and the ones who are to come, and the unsaved people, Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. The angels don't exist without Him. You know, you, you, you have this, we have this mentality that Jesus is not God. So we think the angels exist separately to Jesus and are in God. That God created them so that Jesus is separate. No, Jesus is God. Jesus created them. But they didn't know who Jesus was till God revealed Jesus. Right? Because he was, he was hidden God. Jesus was hidden God for this purpose. So that all heaven and earth, he said, all authority has been given to me in all heaven and all earth. Now he wants them to see who Jesus is. Yeah, they had tasks, they had all sorts of things. They were saying, holy, holy, holy. They had seen God and doing all sorts of things in the presence of God. But they did not know who Jesus is. They did not know God wanted to manifest as Jesus. That's why he says so strenuously, if you don't believe in Jesus, you have no life. You will not go to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. He said, I am the bread of life. So what is this Jesus? Jesus is the supernatural alignment of the natural with the supernatural, yet being able to stay separate Listen to me carefully. God designed this in Adam and Eve. He made them flesh. The first man, Adam, was a living soul made in flesh. But he lived in, in, in eternity. He lived in sanctification. He lived in the covering in the Garden of Eden. He didn't know what evil was. He didn't know what sin was. He didn't know any of those things. So when God created Adam and Eve, He was trying to say to the principalities and powers, I can create something that is flesh and it can live in the flesh and still be holy in my sight. Wow! That's awesome! He accepts you as you are. No, the devil is standing and saying, you cannot accept her. She's a sinner. He says, says who? The devil says, says me. He says, but no, you are cast out. Can't you see yourself cast out? I have not cast them out, I have received. They're mine. And you can't have them. Yeah, but you see they're doing it in the flesh and what they're doing here and what they're doing there. He said, I see all that. But what do we do? What is our response when the devil accuses us? Get on our knees. And say, God, is this true about me? If he says yes, repent. If he says no, carry on. 
How do you know? Because you ate the word. What makes you take such decisions? Because I ate the word. I'm going somewhere with this. You've got to eat the word. It's, it's a living word. It is on your table. It's a feast. Jesus became flesh. Yet he was holy. He was separate from man. Separate from flesh. But he was flesh. He was holy. He was acceptable in the sight of God. Without sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. God brought him, born of the Spirit. So the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're born again, you are born of the Spirit. Yes, you're still in the flesh, but you're born of the Spirit. You are now able to function in the heavenly realm. Whereas before you couldn't do that. But now you can. Now you have access. Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. Satan did not understand this. He just didn't get it. So he, what did he do? He turns up at the wilderness temptation point where Jesus is. And he says to Jesus, Now, if you are the Son of God. Now he's trying to prove Jesus. Okay? Now he says, If you are the Son of God. Make bread and eat. What are you going to do when the supermarket shelves are empty? When they're killing each other and torturing each other to get something that will sustain them because they want to eat. Their, their bellies are crying out for food. They don't know what starvation is. I know what starvation is come from a country where I see it. Right in the heart of the city. I'm not talking about out there in the wilderness. I'm talking about a man, woman, child sitting in the road begging for food and starving to death. Whilst there's a whole amount of abundance around them. What are you going to do? Yeah, stock up. You can stock up as much as you want. You run out of it. Then what are you going to do? Raid, raid your neighbor's house? Take, go buy a shotgun? They're all lining up now to buy guns in America. The biggest sales of guns is going on. Guns are going on right now. They say, oh, we're buying it for protection. No, they're actually buying it so they can rob somebody else. And you, you, I tell you something, you think, that's why I said, new season has started, don't live the old way. This word will sustain you. This word will give you the food you need, when you need it. God knows. That's why Jesus said to him, it is written. Jesus does not need natural food. But when he was on earth, he ate. Right? There's a guy in uh, Sri Lanka who says, tries to give us revelation on this word. And he says, I haven't eaten for months. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I said, what an idiot. There's so much delicious food around. Why would you eat it? 
See, he's mixing the natural with the supernatural and not understanding what he's doing. And he's trying to prove that man can live without natural. Right? We know that. But as long as I'm in the natural, I need the natural. As long as I'm in the natural, I want to enjoy the natural. Because it has been given to me. To enjoy. Why should I throw it away? And why should I cast it aside? Only my wife tells me don't eat chips and I have to adhere to that. <laughs> so Jesus, when he came, gave us life. He did not give us natural life. He had already given us natural life. He gave us the supernatural life. So when you go to someone on the street and he says, listen, you know, do you have life? Uh, do you want life? They don't understand what you're talking about. See? And so when Jesus went to Sancha, he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says to her, you know, give me water to drink. And she says, ah, she puts a difference between her and Jesus. And then Jesus said, if you knew, if you knew, you would ask me for the waters, the living water. Samaritan woman needed it. And she received it when she understood that Jesus was talking about another life that would sustain her in the natural as much as it would in the spiritual. You know what happened that day? She came into a win-win situation. How cool is that? That God blesses you while you are on earth. And God blesses you eternally while you go to heaven. That's a win-win situation. All because, all because you decided to believe in Jesus. All because suddenly a rima entered your spirit and you suddenly realized this is the Son of God. This is the one who gave his life for me. Now I don't have to die on the cross. I am no longer a sinner. I am welcome in the heavenly realm. There is a way to go there and I'm going to go there through the word of God. In all my situations, suddenly there's an offering of life, both in the natural and in the supernatural. This eludes a lot of people. They don't understand how to equate or how to take what is natural, supernatural, and bless the natural. Not only in their lives, but in other people. They don't know how to do it. And you know, it's a process of learning. It's a process of spending time in the Word. It's a process of sitting here and eating the Word. Telling the Holy Spirit, come, I'm hungry. I want to know you. I want to know Jesus more. I'm thirsty. I want to know Jesus more. And you start reading and you start eating. And you start eating. And revelation after revelation after revelation comes to you. It takes time over years and years. You begin, But you never forget the first revelation you had. You can always go back to the first revelation you had. If you don't have any revelation in the new, you can go to the old because a good man brings the treasures out of the old and the new. When there is silence from heaven, when God does not speak, that word which 
which he gave me 20 years ago is still good today for food. Amen. Because yes. it doesn't rot. Not like the manna which you pick extra manna and the next day it's made into worms. No, it's not that same manna. This is a different manna. It's an everlasting manna. It's an eternal manna. It will always be good. That's why backsliders come back to Jesus. Because they remember the good old days with God. And they say, no, in my father's house, my ser his servants are eating better than me. I will go back to my father's house. It is the realization of the truth that will set you free. But you know, many Christians today are missing it. Let's go to Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Simple equation. If you know you've got a problem with pornography, with smoking or drinking or fornicating or some other problem you have, lust of the flesh, covetousness, you know, anger, frustration, unforgiveness, whatever it is, the Lord says, walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit means eating the word of God. That's basically what it is. Right? So when you eat the word of God, God says, No, son, this is not good for you, then you're eating the word of God. You're accepting what the Word of God says about fornication or lies or deception or murder. And you're saying, yeah, that's not good for me. You're eating that Word. <coughs> that's how you do it. By accepting the Word, by appropriating the Word of God, you are eating the Word. So when fornication comes, when temptation comes and this nice looking chick comes along and says, oh, here I am. You say, well, get lost in Jesus' name because I'm eating the Word. But many people don't do that. They think, oh, here's an opportunity that I can have one leg in the Lord and one leg in the world. No, you can't do that. You'll die. Let's go to John 3, 6. They're trying to mix the natural with the supernatural. And you can't do that. John chapter 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't try to mix the two, because they will not. They are separate. So when we depend on the natural, forget it. We're lost. Jesus said in John 6, 30, 30 to 35, that he is the bread of life. Eat him. You know, the amazing thing about this passage is that Let's, let's go there, John 6, 30 to 35. Let's read verse 31 and 32. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Very, very, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. What is he saying? That the very man appointed of God 
to lead them into the wilderness and to show them supernatural signs and wonders who heard God, who understood God and, and, and walked with God with them. And they saw that God was with Moses. So they gave him credibility. They gave him kudos points. And they said, we have Moses who gave us his bread. Who are you? Jesus said, I am that I am. I am the bread of life. Moses did not give you the true bread. The true bread cannot get corrupted. The bread that came from heaven, yes, it came from heaven, yes, it came from God, yes, the man of God brought it, but it wasn't the true bread. See, that's why I'm saying to you, and I always say to you, have your personal encounter with God. Amen. Don't depend on good preaching and all that is good, all that is good stuff. But if you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you are only knowing Him through these scriptures, forget it. You've already lost the plot. I want to know Him. Paul said that I might know Him. The scriptures only ratify who He is. That's all it does. And here you are spending ages, ages and years on the scriptures trying to work out the doctrine and the theology and the diet this way and that way and this way and you're blowing my mind with all that rubbish. I'm not living in a season when I need to know doctrine. I'm not living in a season when I need to know something about you know what happened in the history of mankind. No, I'm living in a season when I need sustenance, when I need life, I need now the living God to work with me, to be with me, to show me, to sustain me and to tell me, listen, everything is alright son. It doesn't matter what goes wrong. Because my natural is crying out for an answer. And God says, look out. When you see all these things happen, your redemption draws. And I read my teaching letter today. Kingdom of darkness is falling, my friends. You can never satisfy a natural hunger. And you can never satisfy a spiritual hunger with natural food. It has to be Jesus. God wanted to know, wanted man to know that his dealings with man will always culminate in Jesus. Not in the law, not in doctrine, not in theology, not in miracle signs and wonders. None of those things will culminate in Jesus. What will culminate in Jesus is you becoming one. Just as He is one with the Father. That's a totally different paradigm that is beyond imagination. You can only hope that the Holy Spirit gives you that understanding. You can glean some of it from the scriptures. You can glean some of it from fasting and praying. You can, but when he turns up, 
Somebody was praying and saying, God, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to know you. I'll die if I don't know you. And he kept praying, 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 praying. And the Holy Spirit turned up in his room. The physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit was in his room. He went from joy to fear and he began to back up and he backed up and he backed up till he reached the wall and he couldn't back up anymore because his physical body was stopping him from backing up and the Holy Spirit was coming closer to him and he cried out to the Holy Spirit and he said, Holy Spirit, stop. If you come any closer, I will die. Are you ready to meet God? Or are you still trying to work out who he is from the scriptures? No, 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 no. We're living in a different season. Don't come to me with your doctrines and your theologies. I need the living word. The one who speaks to me and tells me the truth. God did not give them to the true food through Moses. He held it back because he was the one who wanted to give them the true food. Not a prophet. I can only preach, but I cannot give you the true food. Only Jesus can. Hallelujah. I want to close up. Let's go to Matthew 6. Twenty-five to thirty-three. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than drink? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. So don't put, put toilet paper and stock in your body in your house. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why taking thought for raiment, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And then yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast down into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, no thought, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or whether, withal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take, shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Yes, worse things are coming. But don't worry about poor clothing and shelter. Don't worry about it. That's what the Word of God says. Simple as that. Right? When God called me into the ministry, He didn't say I was going to give you money to travel or food to eat. He said, leave everything, take your bag and follow me. I asked him, where am I going to get the money from? He never answered. 14 years on the road, living without salary, income or support. And I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, where my next money was coming from. 
no idea. I used to go to churches and preach, they won't even pay me. Some of them will just say, forget it, see you around, Mike, thanks very much for the message, it was great. Others call me, cancel all the meetings, and I've just spent $6,000 going there. All my money is gone. That was the church. That was not the world, that was the church. So I worked out pretty soon, very soon in fact, and got called back. Then I was not to depend on myself. That if he called me, he would provide for me. And if he has called you into the kingdom of God and you are genuinely there, he will provide for you. Amen. Amen. You don't have to worry. You don't have to work it out. That's what he's telling us in mind. Don't try to work it out. God's got you covered. Amen. God's got you covered. So you know what I did? Because I had been eating the word. And I couldn't understand the ways of the Lord. Before I take a trip, <clears throat> I'd sit down and write out an invoice to the Lord. I said, this trip is going to cost me $3,000 or $6,000. Here's the invoice. And before or after the trip, I'd have the money to the cent. Why? Why would God honor that? Because I ate the word. That means I appropriated the word. That means I accepted what he said. That means I said I did not question his commandments to me. I was going to follow his commandments. He said to them in Israel, if you follow my commandments, if you follow my commandments, keep me. I will bring you to the promised land. Many didn't. And many will not make it in the churches to the promised land because they're not walking with God. They're not eating of the, of the thing. They're eating of what pastors tell them. And I don't want to tell you what I know only. I want to tell you what the word of God is speaking. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to say, listen, shed off the old skin and put on the new wine skin with the new wine because the word of God is good for you into eternity and for eternity. Get a hold of it. Let it become real. That when you speak, the world will listen. That the de demons will listen. The environment will listen. The heavens will listen to you. Because you have the understanding of what God has invested in you, which is the Son of the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you will speak even more so in the last days. And we will hear and we will do and we will not be afraid for what comes our way. But we will stand strong whilst we walk in the knowledge of Jesus. Open the eyes of our understanding through the spirits of wisdom and revelation that we might come to know this living Savior who is seated upon the throne, ruling over every principality and power, having all dominion and riches in His hand to give us. And we thank You for what You're going to give us in a greater way the days ahead that we are going to have a harvest of souls. We are going to see the glory of God in this place. We are going to see miracles, signs and wonders and we bind and break every fear and doubt and unbelief and cast it out of this church. And Lord, we thank you that you are the one that we eat every day here. You are the one that we worship. 
You are the one, Lord Jesus. Receive us this evening, this morning, I pray. And cause us to walk in the ways of the Lord. That we not be so deceived by the devil or by our own minds. And thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' precious name. If you feel that you have need for prayer, please come forward and we will pray for you. This is a time to get rid of things that stand in your way. You know, maybe some of these unshiftable things in your way that are in your mind. And God wants to break that. He's good enough. Amen?